Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me to talk about Psalm 63, I'm delighted to welcome Dave Roylance. Dave has recently been ordained as a deacon here at Granite Springs, but serves and has been serving in a whole host of ways. He has a background in education and literature, an extensive background in education and literature. And when I think of Dave, I think of his remarkable memory because he always, he's always ready with a quote or a line from a song or poem at just the right moment. So for these reasons and more, I'm really excited for this conversation, as you might imagine. So to get us started, here's Dave reading Psalm 63. You, God, or my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. There you go. (laughs) Dave, welcome to Curious Psalms. Thank you, Matt. I know it was maybe an unexpected email that you got from me (laughs) saying, hey, will you join me for a conversation on Psalm 63? But... That's the best kind of email to send, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. No, shall we just dive right into the psalm? Sure. All right. Well, our first question, you know the questions as they're coming, is what stood out to you in reading this psalm? Well, it's interesting, Matt. It reminded me, first thing, it reminded me of teaching students literature, poetry, drama, whatever, Mm. especially maybe something like Shakespeare. They'd always read it, and they couldn't understand it, and so they said, this is this is no good. And of course, that's always disappointing for somebody in literature. But I remember back when I was like a teenager reading Shakespeare, maybe for the first time, and I had the exact same issue. I, I can't understand this. So therefore, mm. it's not very good literature, or at least it's not overwhelming literature. And I saw so what did I do? Just like my students do. I read this and said, eh, yeah, it's okay. It's a good, it's a nice, nice idea there, the, the psalm. I, but nothing really stood out as what I would call incredible poetry. And the, the theme didn't, the, it didn't hit me right in the face right away. In, in one of Kevin's books, the ones that he's talking about, the psalms, the, the preface of the book says, you know, some people approach the psalms like a tourist. They just kind of look at it and say, oh, that's very nice. And yet others approach it like a pilgrim. Hmm. in which case they hang around, they take a look at the colors, and they take a look at the uh, architecture, and they take a... So actually, um, my first reading, like so many of the kids I've taught in the past, um, was more like a tourist. Yeah. And it's still like a tourist, but I'm getting a little closer to being that pilgrim because I did do some digging and did reread it a couple of times. That's always what the kids 
don't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to read it out again. again. I didn't understand it the first time. Well, okay. So anyway, so your question, you know, yeah. was what hit me first is that it was first in my mind, it sounded like a foxhole prayer. You know, oh, dear God, I'm in trouble here. I'm out in the desert. Somebody's chasing, well, my son's chasing me. Yeah. And he's going to kill me if he catches me. Please help me. And <laughs> it sounded like, you know, foxhole prayers have a condition to them. You know, like, oh, mm. dear God, if you get me out of this mess, mm. I'll never do that again mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. So I was, so what I did initially, I said, oh, he's just, he's just in a bad space. Yeah. And he's just helping for, looking for help to get him out of that space. Yeah. Well, I kept looking for where's, where's the condition here? Yeah. You know, it's not like uh, I'll never do this again. So what I discovered uh, in reading it uh, more than once um, was that there really wasn't a condition involved here. This was a, a man who was in trouble, or at least responding in his psalm to the p- time when he was in trouble right. in, in the desert, and and crying out for help and support from a God whom he knew would help and support mm. him. Mm-hmm. And and there's really no condition to that except for the fact that, well, at the end, and we'll I'll talk about the end later on, but the end saying, and by, oh, by the way, yeah, <laughs> you can nail those enemies of mine anytime you want. <laughs> but I don't think that really was a condition for what he felt like at sure. the time. I think it was a cry for uh, help, but also a tremendous expression of trust mm. and faith that that God was going to that his God was going to was going to do that, and there didn't seem to be any doubt. There didn't seem to be any conditions involved. He wasn't bargaining with God. He was just expressing. So that was that was kind of my um, first dive into the pool. Yeah, thanks for taking us a little behind the scenes too of your encounter <laughs> with it. Echoes so many of my as I'm preparing for these conversations, yeah. my encounters with these psalms. So you know, yeah. I. I I know the questions well at this point, <laughs> but right. I read the Psalms and, you know, even on a first reading, I'm looking for these things, but often I read through a whole Psalm and I think, yeah. oh, I don't know that I'm going to have anything to talk about on this exactly. episode. And then you read it again. Yeah. I, I was start kind of building on what you're talking about, sort of his confidence, but then like the confidence in the foxhole almost is fascinating yeah. because the way he is talking about God here has such an intensity and a longing. Mm-hmm. This this line in verse 3, because your love is better than life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, do I do I feel that way? <laughs> that that's yeah. very intense. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. In, in other words, like your your love, whatever happens here, I'm sort of hoping for deliverance, but whatever mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. here, being connected to you is far better than whatever is to come. Absolutely. Is just yeah. quite a powerful statement. There right. is there's a little bit of, it's like almost a love poem mm-hmm. at times. There's oh, yeah. elements here where yeah, you're yeah. like, you lift these out, right? And it's like, on my bed, I remember you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think of you through the watches of the night yeah, or yeah. I thirst for you. My yeah. whole being longs for right. you. There's some, there's yeah, a real de- deep love happening. Absolutely. I, well, say, uh, was it uh, Teresa Vavala was like that? Her, yeah. Her, and uh, Hildegard of what but about uh, the german <laughs> the german mystic <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were all, almost sensually expressing their love for for their god yeah i didn't I, I didn't see that but i also that makes sense 
yeah. uh, as you mention it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Right. Well, that maybe leads us to, you know, in any kind of relationship, there's two sides to that relationship. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's the one who's being loved as well as the lover. So yeah. maybe we can talk about God a little bit with our second question. Okay. Of what do we learn about God or how do we encounter God in this psalm? Well, I, what I got, again, not from the first reading, but after a couple of readings and then doing a little digging. What I learn about God is is something that I, I've, I'm becoming more and more aware of in my own recognition of this, this higher power who's in my rearview mirror has been taking care of me all along. And because I can see more clearly now in that rearview mirror, this is a God who... Um, He's a, a God of love and, and constancy and authenticity. You know, it's, it, it's just the, to be able to... Here's what it comes down to, Matt, for me. There's, a, and there's an expression that we all have heard many times before. Uh, and when things get complicated, when things get frustrating, or when things get fearful, or, or things aren't going right in our family or friendships or whatever, we, we take a deep breath, or try to anyway, and let go and let God. And so... This, I think, is a is a masterful and very well-developed expression of letting go and letting God. Mm. Uh, a God who, uh, David, and I've come more so to trust that even if things don't look great right now, uh, or even if things don't turn out as I would hope they would turn out, in the end, this God will take care of me in his own way, uh, yeah. her own way, and... So this is just a, for learning something about God. This is just a reinforcement of sure. what I've been learning all along. And yet here's the greatest poet in the Bible reminding us yeah. of that same really basic principle of trust God yeah, and let go and let God deal with it, whatever the situation may be. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Dave. And I, mm -hmm. I was thinking, you know, David here, I feel like even gives us an image of what that letting go looks like. Mm -hmm. In other words, his letting go is found in clinging to God. Right. Right. Yeah. So sometimes yeah, that's I think interesting. That's we can a, talk that's about, real, yeah. yeah, we can talk about letting go, just sort of like almost abandoning hope or just like stop worrying about it completely. Right. right. And David's doing sort of a, a second step, I think, yeah. to that process right. of, well, now let me attach myself to that, which is secure right. and constant, right. to use your word, which I think is so helpful that... Yeah, there's, there's sort of a positive flip side to right. the letting go that right. God invites us right. into, right? And some folks can use it. In fact, maybe I've used it myself as a an excuse not to act. You know, oh, I don't have to do anything. God will take care of it. Well, there's a fine line there between what I can do and what I can't do. Yeah. And when I finally surrender to the fact that I won't be able to do anything in this, I'll let God take care of it. I'll yeah. trust God to do it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's beautifully okay. said. Yeah. I was just reflecting, too, uh, in terms of what we learn about God. It's interesting. God only comes up, when I looked at this, in verse 1, in terms of the title or mm -hmm. the name or the description, God only comes up in verse 1 and verse 11. Huh. At the very right. beginning and at the very end. And everywhere else, yeah. God is referred to as you. Right. Personal, it, personal pronoun. Yeah. And personal, personal pronoun. I yeah, and yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Right. That, yes, yes, yes. And that just stood out to me. I was like, God is deeply personal yeah. in this psalm. Oh, and absolutely. I think he's always personal yeah. in the psalms, but there is something about this construction and the intimacy with which uh, David here seems to be 
quite comfortable addressing God. Right. It's not you, Lord, or yeah. you, Master, yeah, or, or thou, you, or, or the, yeah. Well, exactly. of course, that uh, that's all a matter. The other thing I was going to say before I forget, uh, yeah. you don't talk to me about good memory. It has to do with my first response to really good poetry is usually an emotional response. When I, unless it's really difficult and I have to do a little digging. So if I see good poetry on a poet, or good prose for that matter, or poetic prose, what are you going to call it? I have that emotional like, wow, yeah. you know, this is really, really cool. Uh-huh. It's a great use of language. It's a surprising use of language. It's a delightful use of whatever you want to talk about. Then I have to remember the reason I didn't get that initial emotional response to this psalm, it's, it's translated. Yes. <laughs> you know, and it's very difficult for a translator to be a poet at the same time. Now, right. some have been, and they've been very successful, but this, these are probably some linguistic theologians. Yeah. And they weren't the poet that David was. And I can't imagine how wonderful and beautiful. In fact, you've probably learned some of these in, in Hebrew, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that would make a difference. Yeah, a big difference in terms of emotional response. For sure. Hebrew itself, I think, is just like an incredibly beautiful language mm. just to to hear. And I remember, I couldn't do it for you now, but in one of my Hebrew classes in grad school, we had to learn Psalm 23 oh, wow. in Hebrew, yeah. which I'm kind of sad that I lost because yeah. there is just something about, you know, the ways that the sounds get repeated. And, right. you know, when right. you're talking about largely an oral culture and that mm-hmm. these being... Yeah the songs of the people. Right. I, I think our English translators do a remarkable job to maintain as much of the spirit of these yes. as they do, right. but right. I think you're right. We're always going uh, to lose a little enough. bit of that immediacy. That spark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spark. yeah. So, I agree. Yeah, that's, that's well said and a good reminder to us too when we think maybe about the, the beauty in the songs yeah, right. and what's there for right. us. Well, should we turn to our third question? I um, think we maybe started kind of exploring yeah, it a little yeah. bit, but okay. how, how does this psalm help us to pray? Well, I, some of this, first of all, I think my first thought about that question, yeah, not, not about the psalm, but that question that you posed was, for one thing, it, it will, I think this psalm and what it says to me is going to enhance my gratitude for, for a loving God who wishes me and my planet well. And, and it enhances my gratitude, but it also enhances my comfort level. To know mm. that I can talk to this God whom I grew up, when I say grew up, I, I, I would think into my 20s, maybe 30s. I, I was not only did not trust whatever God there was, but I was, I was afraid of that mm. God. And you've probably heard this many times. Sometimes when, when whatever religion or religious teaching or catechism you were put through or went through, it puts more emphasis on what's going to happen to you mm, <laughs> if sure. you do something yeah, yeah, yeah. wrong you know it's more the punishing god yeah. and 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 that w- that developed a circuit in me that mm. really hindered my ability to pray to a god that i thought was uh, doing nothing but listening to what i was doing wrong yeah and i've that uh, that attitude has changed and mm. the reason it's changed is that i've seen how that god has worked in my life and yeah. what he's done to help me throughout so i but what Again, I still have that little circuit going. So what this poem did was help me to uh, find a comfort level in my my prayer, my mm. prayers, knowing that I that, that I can trust the God who is always there and always is looking out for my own good. Yeah. Even though maybe I'm not, and maybe even <laughs> sure. though I don't understand what that good is, 
I'm developing that trust and that comfort that eventually he, she, it is yeah. going to take care of me. Yeah. And my and my world. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. The Psalms, I find them to be richly permission giving, just in of terms of like they open up kind of a landscape of prayer to us. Like, right. oh, yeah, my Sunday school teacher. <laughs> Did they know that this was in the Bible? <laughs> Did they know that people pray like this? Yeah, right? exactly. So, yeah, I love yeah. I love your reflections there, Dave. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know, this psalm, going back to one of my earlier comments about verse 3, because your love is better than life, mm. and my thinking, do I feel that way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like this psalm is in some sense an invitation to us to realign our longings. Wow. In other words, yeah. David has such a deep longing for God mm-hmm. that it begins to expose where our longings are fall short of what he's expressing. And I think there's plenty of reason to expect and to have anticipated that David fell frequently short of these longings himself. But it reminded me of when I was, when I was in graduate school, I got to TA for a class on prayer. It was like a one week class. I didn't get to TA because I was any kind of expert, but basically I was doing administrative stuff (laughs) and some grading. Taking role. I know that. Anyway. But part of the amazing piece of this TA gig was I got to go on a prayer retreat with the class and the students. So we went and I'm no, there are people who, there is something about long periods of prayer that just sings to their soul. I promptly fell asleep and had a long nap that <laughs> afternoon. I, 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 I'm longing to be a better prayer. But in reflecting on that experience, kind of the next morning, you know, we're going around the circle yeah. and I just expressed to the professor who was also leading this retreat, I just said, I, I feel frustrated because first of all, I'm not good at praying, but then I'm not even good at wanting to pray. Mm-hmm. I want to want yeah, yeah, to pray. Yeah. And I remember his comment to me just in that moment was, well, but that's exactly where we start. Yeah. And willing to be willing. Exactly. And this Psalm just felt like it was echoing some of that invitation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's not, okay, only pray Psalm 63 if sort of you can muster up the fullness of this longing for this God. Right, right. You know, if you just want to want this, if you want to kind of realign your longings Mm. towards God, here's... Here's a Psalm for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Without any real... um, question about it. (laughs) I mean, he's pretty clear about this. Very clear, actually. And very poetically clear. Even with the the translation, there are things, even though they didn't send off fireworks, um, you look at it and and he's using so many of the techniques that Mm. that we talk about in terms of developing poetic language. Obviously, he's he's a master at it, but Uh some of that, as they say, is lost in translation. Sure. Yeah. And the other thing I think is like the fact that, you know, whether... Whatever we're talking about, whether we're talking about, as I've kind of framed it, this, um, yeah, this realignment of longing or enhancing our gratitude, as you were kind of right, talking right, about it too, right. and this kind of reframing. I think the psalm itself, I, I love this. I, verse 8, I cling to you, mm. your right hand upholds me. Right. The, the mutuality here, right? That God, yeah. Yeah. it's like we hold on to God, but yeah, then he is the one exactly. who's kind of holding us up. So... I take great relief in that. My wanting to want to pray this psalm is met by God who is himself coming alongside and helping me in that longing. And that's that's a great relief because I'm like, I'm not sure I can just muster this up by myself. (laughs) Your own. Well, and isn't that the the, um, purpose of a lot of literature and especially Mm. I'm sure the psalms that 
we this is this is our help we these great poets express things that we feel yeah but that we don't have right now anyway the the skill or the genius or the talent or whatever to express the way they can do it yeah I, you know i've read so many poets and poems that i said gee i wish i could i wish i could have <laughs> thought of that or thought to have said that yeah because it it always has to pick up something that's in our heads but the way it's expressed really drives it home. Yeah. Um, that's, that's so important. Dave, is there anything else you'd like to comment on about the song? <laughs> Only thing has to do with the, the ending. Oh, sure. Um, and the ending, of course, has to do with, I think, the Old Testament mentality. I don't know. I'm not a, a theologian. But as I read it, and as I still read it, it it's, I think, T.S. Eliot called this like the old dispensation mm. where it's the eye for the eye, the, you know, get back at your enemy. And, and what it does is reinforce how much I really um, love Jesus' new dispensation. Mm-hmm. In other words, no, 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 we're not going to you know, cut the enemy's heads off. We're going right. to try our best to get along with them, to love them, to put away judgments, to put away whatever it is. And that message, I think, is really, really important for me in my growing appreciation of what Christ's message was. In in stark belief to some of those couple of last lines, it didn't yeah. quite uh, flow with me, uh, sure. except for the fact that it's, hey, wait a minute, Jesus is the one that's changing all that. And yeah. of course, that's probably why they crucified him but but sure look look what the result of that crucifixion has done i think yeah as christians the psalms are our prayer book and they would have been the prayer book of jesus himself absolutely yeah and yet we now pray them through and in light of jesus right we're not yeah we are deeply impacted by that i think too as i was reading this it's helpful to remember that david here is a king who is experiencing his throne being usurped Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is that is not only David's throne being usurped, that's not just a person who's power hungry, but in sort of the scope of the nation of Israel, that mm. is God's designated authority yeah. being usurped. Exactly. And so I think there's an additional kind yeah. of the injustice and the unrighteousness of that particular event yeah. then is being met. And David's expressing some of that yeah. too, right? He's essentially still calling himself the king here at the end right. when he's functionally yeah. in exile, yeah, yeah. right? And that itself is kind of a declaration maybe right. to go back to our, our very first kind of part of the conversation. That's incredible confidence. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> one yeah. day, in fact, yeah. like yeah. I will sort of, I will be king like I'm intended to be. But yeah, yeah I appreciate your comments. Well, that is a great note maybe for yeah. us to end on. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Dave, for joining me for this conversation. Uh, okay, it's been a pleasure, Matt. I really appreciate the opportunity. And of course... Um, sparking more interest in reading and, and getting into the Psalms a little bit more than I have. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. 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 I'm getting into the Psalms more than I ever have, you know, <laughs> doing this podcast. So cool. You're in good company. Yeah. Well, let me conclude with just a couple of verses to, for us to hear them again. This is from verse three and four. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms.